The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Got a, a fun one to get to here today. More on the Jimmy Butler saga. I just love every aspect of this at, at this point. But I also love chocolate milk ever since I was a kid, in fact. But now it's still just as good as an adult because chocolate milk provides real recovery backed by real science so you can put in the real work research shows that drinking low-fat chocolate milk after a strenuous workout is a nutritious way to refuel your body and build lean muscle that's because low-fat chocolate milk is the right mix of protein and carbs that your body needs and provides fluids and electrolytes to replenish what you lose in sweat see the real science at builtwithchocolatemilk.com that's builtwithchocolatemilk.com so got a, a little programming announcement before we get started i'm actually going to go on justin termine and i think that's how you pronounce his last name and eddie johnson's serious xm radio show tomorrow his uh, uh their producer reached out to me and I was oh like, we, yeah, you should clarify it it's tomorrow for when we're recording this it'll be on thursday oh yeah yeah i guess so yeah i mean i guess we recorded at night so even then uh uh tomorrow but yeah that, that'll be fun uh I, i'm sure everyone will have a, a good time it'll be good radio if nothing else um but let's first get to the latest in Minnesota, where Jimmy Butler is, according to Shams, taking the next step in the six-week-long process into getting the All-Star out of Minnesota by sitting tonight against Utah and could lead to an extended absence for Butler. Uh, the Timberwolves have termed it general soreness and precautionary rest. They attempted to kind of get back on top of things by saying that to Woj that and it is interesting that the, Tom Thibodeau, who normally is not Mr. Leaks, and, and as far as I know, has not really been a guy who, you know, has sort of been in this Woj camp of leaking stuff. You know, for example, like Woj will not get like their picks early the way he does with the, some other ones, although a lot of that I'm sure comes from the agents too. Uh, but, you know, it seems like, especially with this offer, this news, this offer from Houston of the four first round picks, you know, that might have come from Minnesota also. So a lot of strategy going on here in attempting to control the message. But it doesn't appear that the Wolves have succeeded here. Everyone knows that Jimmy Butler is sitting out at this point. They are no closer to a deal. We can talk about that in a second. Uh, but what's your reaction to this latest gambit by the Butler camp? I mean, at least they're, I guess they're trying something. It certainly must be frustrating for the other members of the team to have his participation be this uncertain. But if you're trying to get out, I mean, you and I talked about this 
going back to Kyrie Irving, where, yeah, you can't hold out. It, the, the rules in the NBA are different from the NFL and numerous other leagues, but there is a lot of wiggle room when it comes to injury-based absences. And what I think is a little bit bizarre about this is it kind of feels like whether it was Jimmy or his representation that they gave the game away a little bit too much. Because by saying this, I don't know if that takes away the plausible deniability by saying basically this is aimed at getting him out. If this takes away the plausible deniability so the team can go, you're not actually hurt. Now, they can't force him to play or anything like that. But I I wonder if there, there might be a little bit of a difference there than other guys who have threatened this privately and not said anything publicly. We'll see. I highly doubt it gets to the point of like actually suspending him. Tom Thibodeau wants to win games so badly that even if Butler just decides to be available for half of them, and even if he's pissing off his teammates, I mean, at this point, like I would almost be more revolting as his, as his teammate. You know, if if I'm Carl Towns, I'm like, get this shit over with. Like this is ridiculous, and you know, perhaps his play, as we'll get to at the start of the year, is a a form of that. Um, Another interesting nugget here, in a text message to the Pioneer Press, Bernie Lee, his agent, said, Jimmy's approach this year has been to approach each day as a singular event and deal with what is appropriate within that day. I think his actions has displayed that. (laughs) Well, already then. Approaching each day as a singular event. That is just a fantastic turn of phrase. Uh, I mean, I I approach each second even as a singular event. (laughs) I'm, I'm approaching this next thing that I'm about to say right now as a singular event even. <laughs> well, and we can get to another another one of the, the pieces of this is that there was some reporting since the last time we talked about this saga that basically Minnesota wants Eric Gordon in the trade with Houston. And this gets into the exact idea that we talked about as a challenge of, I mean, we, we enjoyed the thought experiment of talking about four first round picks for Jimmy Butler, but Tom Thibodeau wants, Thibodeau wants to win right now. And those four first round picks can be turned into other things, but that's a much more nebulous proposition than somebody like Eric Gordon. But guess what? Minnesota is is trading with a team in Houston that wants to get better, and they think Eric Gordon is an important part of that. So it's going to be very hard to bridge those kind of gaps. What you what you're looking for, to use an economic term, is the double coincidence of wants, which is where one side has values what another side has, and then the other side values what their potential trade partner has. And my concern with the Houston deal, and to a lesser extent with maybe with Philly and with Miami, is that there is that there, there that might be where they run into these problems because those teams the whole point of getting jimmy butler is to be competitive and so they want to retain as much of their present value as they can yeah and in that same vein uh shams and john krasinski reporting that the wolves have been reluctant to, ex- to accept the four first round picks because brandon knight as we had speculated was in fact part of that package and that uh, was termed as being needed to make the trade work from a financial perspective but you know really you discount those four first round picks when you also have to absorb Knight's salary and Knight really you know it it seems unclear if he's ever going to be ready to play and what level he could play and he still has you know another year after this one on his contract um and making over 15 million dollars a year he's at 15.6 next season uh so and then we still don't know what the protections were either I mean it doesn't seem like 
there any other uh, you know sam amick also the athletic reporting that there was no traction right now for a deal with houston miami at one point apparently had re-engaged doesn't seem like that's uh anything is imminent there either although miami has maybe had a little bit of a disappointing start to the season and we could see them uh decide to get a little more aggressive here if things continue to go south but you know they've they still have to get james johnson back too uh and is this how you would ha- have handled this if you were butler i mean to me i think like there's this whole idea that oh he's so competitive and he wants to come back and play and i mean i think the better way to handle it i mean if you really do want to get out is just to play like shit like he's going out there and playing hard i mean he had this awesome game against the lakers he's just you know he he likes going up against lebron james he won them that game uh, on monday but i mean i think you go out there and you just pull a vince carter you know from 20 and make it clear that hey tom thibodeau like keeping me around is going to be antithetical to your short-term goal of winning games and then that the longer you hold on to me my trade value is only going to go down uh and you know you make it maybe he's worried oh if i don't play well i won't get this crazy free agent contract but you know as long as he gets to the new place and plays well then it's fine uh that probably would have been my approach instead of this start and stop i'm gonna go in i'm gonna play really well and then uh, i'm not gonna play again and uh you know i think to some degree it's and then glenn taylor saying oh hey you know just come in be a good shoulder play soldier play will try and uh accommodate you you know butler actually buying into that seems to almost have have hurt him to some degree uh because then the better butler plays the higher his trade value the more and the less pressure is on the wolves to do something now because they're actually winning games and there's also this idea that well you know the wolves want stuff back that's going to help them win now and it's the point has been made too uh by brian windhorst on his podcast that glenn taylor's pretty old as well so he may not be as diverged from thibodeau in terms of wanting to win now as we might think he should be uh so to me it's just so hard to make a trade of you know like for like essentially you know trying to try and players who are trying to help minnesota win whoever's receiving them as you mentioned like they want to keep the good players and trade future assets like that's why all of these trades in the nba work that way but it's so difficult now uh for the wolves to uh, I mean, at the very least, you could say, hey, give us some young guys who aren't that good now, but maybe, you know, could turn into the next Oladipo and Sabonis and be good next year. Um, so uh, this is becoming a very difficult situation. I think the only way out of it for Butler, and maybe the sitting is kind of the same thing here, but it would be, you know, now he's potentially running afoul of the rules against holding out and, you know, risking a suspension. Um so going out there and playing terribly and just being a total cancer might have been a better approach. But I, I think this this is a, a wiser move than what he'd been doing. Because as long as he was playing, he wasn't putting the pressure on the organization. Yeah, it, it's a tough circumstance. And I can imagine somebody who has pride and the a lot of the reporting out here has, has plenty of Jimmy Butler pride in it wouldn't want to dog it but I, I agree with you that it would theoretically be more effective at getting towards his aim and Butler doesn't have to be as concerned I think as others about proving his value just because I think we kind of we know what Jimmy Butler is as a player this is not a yeah. circumstance and, the, and, and he's playing well this year you know he came sure. off the surgery you know like he, he's established a little bit of a level here uh but again I mean like when you're trying to get traded and you want to go somewhere to, to a team that's going to be good lowering your own trade value actually is the best option right and that's something that players do like Kyrie Irving did this by saying I will only resign or I'm only interested in going to these teams because then theoretically everybody else is getting less value so they lower their offers and all that it's the same idea just a different different way of doing it but yeah I mean the easiest way is to just say you're not getting any value from having me on the court before we get too lost 
in, in the weeds here. I also want to go through their basic stats here, unless you have something else on Butler specifically. Um, yes, I do. We, we need to do a quick read. Sure. For DraftKings, with the weekend coming up, tons of games, and you can put your basketball knowledge to the test with one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings. It's a great way to make one of those big league pass nights, your Wednesdays, your Fridays, your Saturdays. Sundays are really fun, too, especially... Uh, when the games are kind of staggered a little bit so you're able to watch more of your guys if you're sitting at home on, on a sunday they are giving away over 400 million dollars in prizes this season more than 10 times what la is paying the king himself no matter what your skill level is there's a contest waiting for you at DraftKings. you just select eight players stay under the fifty thousand dollar salary cap and you get earned you get earned points when your players score or pile up uh, other stats. Season-long fantasy basketball, I respect the people who do it. It seems like a lot of work, though, having to be locked in every day. So just on a day when you're watching games, you can sit down and draft a new team uh, without any commitment. They also have leagues uh, for players who are less experienced. If you've played under 50 contests, you you can get in there uh, and get started. And the way to do that is at DraftKings.com, use my code CAPSPACE, easy to remember, we talk about all the time on the program, to play for free with your first deposit. Once again, $400 million in total prizes will be up for grabs throughout the season. Use that cap space code to play for free with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Let them know with that cap space code you came from us. Yeah, let, let's get into just talking about, you know, this team is playing actual NBA basketball games uh, on a regular basis. What have they looked like on the court so far this year? As we record this, the Wolves are 3-4. and four. They have a negative 4.3 net rating, which is 20th in the NBA. They are 11th in offense, 26th in defense, and 538's Carmelo projections give them 43 wins, which would be the 8th and final spot in the Eastern Conference. Of course, noting that their expectation Western is Conference. Western Conference. I know what conference we're talking about. <laughs> And uh, I, I think that, of course, that inc- incorporates Jimmy Butler. And one of the things that's really shocking so far about this season, while he's had some some really big games, is that Minnesota has not been like universally good when he's played and bad when he hasn't or anything like that. They have a negative eight net rating when Jimmy Butler plays. Yeah, a lot of that is due to that massive destruction by the Bucks, who have just right. been ruining everybody. Yeah, that um, game was nasty. I think the bigger disappointment for me, I mean, we always knew that they were going to suck on defense and with all the issues that they've had, certainly uh, expecting them to improve their cohesiveness on that end was unlikely. Uh, Minnesota is shooting 47% around the rim in the half court uh, on non-post-ups. That is last in the NBA. And also, you remember that they were a top five offense last year, really by bludgeoning the basket, getting to the foul line, taking a lot of shots around the rim and still shooting a pretty good percentage despite the fact that they had no spacing because they just had players who were that good and right now they're only taking 30 percent of their shots in the half court around the room again this is numbers from synergy so a little different than some of the nba.com numbers uh but that's 25th in in the nba in shots at the rim so they are not getting to the basket uh nearly as much uh what have been some of your major observations uh, just from watching this team he's had he had that one nice game i believe that was against san antonio but jeff teague is just not having as, as good a year as i hoped true yeah. shooting percentage he, he missed about... tonight's game with with a knee injury perhaps mm-hmm. maybe that's part of an explanation yeah yeah and so you know lower usage true shooting below 50 uh 
and he's not the centerpiece obviously their offense he's their probably their third best offensive player of their starting five but he helps make a lot of it go and I mean you and I have at various moments been surprised by how not how effective Minnesota's offense is with their talent but how effective they are with their scheme and I think Teague has been a part of a lot of that and another guy who has been is Carl Anthony Towns before now yeah Towns did break out to some degree against the Lakers another poor defense uh but his season-long stats have not been particularly impressive. The usage rate we lamented last year, that it was too low given how efficient he was, that has not gone up this year, right around 22%. And this is with Andrew Wiggins missing a, a ton of time. We'll get to uh, exactly where those shots uh, are going in a moment here. But Wiggins, you know, we thought his usage was, was a little high last year given how much less efficient he was uh, than Butler and Town. Something else on Towns' shot distribution. So he's taking more threes, which is good. And so he's gone from right now at 24% of his shots to 33. And w- if you're as good a three-point shooter as Carl Towns is, he was 42% last year. I'm like, wow, that's ridiculous. And obviously small sample size theater, but he's at 45 as we're recording this. But the problem is you go, okay, well, if you convert long twos to threes and you make 45% of your three-pointers, that's real value. That's not where those shots are coming from. Towns has actually shot a higher proportion from straight mid-range slightly less from long two but the big drop has been from shots at the basket he went from 34 percent last year and 38 percent two years ago to 22 percent right now so far this year yeah that's really ugly uh we mentioned again how just overall as a team their shots at the rim are down he's just been atrocious in the post he's eight out of 26 on post-ups this is a guy like he this weird hangover where he couldn't score in the post against the rockets is even one-on-one against smaller defenders has now now seem to bleed over into this year and you know i think a lot of that is uh, as you mentioned he's not getting all the way to the basket you know their spacing is even worse than last year uh with wiggins out and derrick rose taking a lot of that time uh he's not hitting his spot ups as much that's gonna come uh but he was 1.02 points per possession on post-ups last year and this year he's 0.65 points per possession uh, and that is just really really ugly uh and maybe that's just kind of all right he doesn't want to do the dirty work to really fight inside uh you know he's just not getting quite as good a look so you know he used to be able to turn in get like really close range with the the jump hook and i mean this guy is shooting 40 percent on two pointers that's like just unacceptably bad uh and i really don't have a great explanation for it uh other than you know to some degree random chance just not hitting jump shots but also just you know that he hasn't been as aggressive so far this season now we mentioned that uh, Towns' shots uh, are, you know, about where they were last year in terms of usage. Jimmy Butler, for as well as he's played, he's been relying a little bit more on the three-pointer, shooting 48% from downtown with that big game against the Lakers after having going two for 11 against overall from the field against Milwaukee. Uh, but Butler, a year ago, 25% usage, that's actually down to 23 this year. But Derrick Rose has the highest usage on the team. And oh, by the way, uh, 46% true shooting. So, I mean, we've seen a couple of highlights get posted. He's had a few pretty good games, vintage Rose. Oh yeah, uh, no, he's, he hasn't been efficient at all. But and this is about the idea of he, he's not as good offensively. And certainly he's not playing all the time with those guys. So you can, you can rack up usage as a bench guy. But still, I mean, he's at 20% usage playing with Towns and 25 without him. So 
that's you know that's a decent proxy for a couple of different things and also remember we were talking about all the places where usage has shots have gone from this team that as Wiggins has been out Josh Okogie has been in his stead and he is extremely low usage as well yeah he is although perhaps rightfully so he he broke out for 17 points and his athleticism has been really impressive but he's not really there yet as an offensive player you know another guy who just has not been efficient enough and that you know that happens with a lot of rookies right you see him play the first five teams the first 10 games they flash athletically they're doing great stuff like yeah you know this looks pretty good and you look down at the stat sheet 42 percent true shooting 9.4 per you know just like and he's been playing a lot of minutes he's uh averaging like 25 minutes a game more than that actually but you know it's just hard to be efficient and tyus jones hasn't played much better either um rose is basically playing at the two right now i'm interested to see how he gets used uh, when wiggins returns but yeah this is uh they got a lot of problems here and how much of this weird distribution is based on butler playing poorly i mean really everyone other than or i shouldn't say playing poorly but just the the drama but most of their guys just have not played very well this year i mean taj gibson the who's uh used to the distractions shall we say uh has shot it pretty well so far from the field but and then you throw it i mean if they can't be an awesome offensive team now they're really sunk and you know, I, I think the way they've started and, you know, I don't see them getting anything back for, for Butler. Maybe if Butler leaves and the drama gets solved, Towns, Wiggins could just play better. And that's the solution to these, to this malaise. Uh, but again, you know, I mean, I think, you know, when Butler plays, they should be kind of a competitive 500-ish team. And, you know, when he doesn't play, they're, uh, they're not going to be any good. And the, the schedule is not really doing them any favors moving forward because they play Utah on Wednesday night. And that's their last home game for almost two weeks weeks they go golden state then portland clippers on a back-to-back one night off in la then lakers then the resurgent sacramento kings and then when they come home they're mostly playing capable teams i mean they have new orleans portland denver memphis and brooklyn on that homestand so they're i mean they're still good enough that they can win a lot of those games but there are not many gimmies in their upcoming schedule especially with sacramento and brooklyn and memphis all you know you could argue exceeding expectations depending on how we want to define terms well, I guess Butler is by not playing against Utah is depriving the Minnesota fans of their chance to give him a, one last dang ovation before he gets traded. Um, oh, I think he'll still be there yeah. when they get back. I do not really? think. I I think this is gonna it's gonna keep on. It. I mean, it's kind of you're kind of sitting there going, well, what's gonna change this dynamic? And there isn't much. I mean, you talked about the. He, the he pop- has to keep sitting. That's the only. That's a yeah. And the only I mean, approach, I think, Woj is reporting is that he's going to play against Golden State, and which is also yeah. there's. There's Although a, that's, there's a there's yeah there's a tactical brilliance to sitting like if he wants to of sitting in games that they have a better chance of winning and then playing in games that they might lose anyway that would be kind of hilarious if he wants to try to 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 affect his own value but we should also get into a, another little bit of Minnesota news we talked about Justin Patton as being a really hard one for us to evaluate on the kind of the rookie scale option preview show and it turns out that Minnesota declined that and that's a pretty big statement Thibodeau drafted him and remember like this it people get this to me wrong with trades all the time because they go oh well you look at who they drafted with these picks 
And it's not fair to say, oh, well, Minnesota got less value because they took Justin Patton. You evaluate that on what they could have done with the 16 pick, which was a whole lot. I mean, OG and Anobi was on the board, numerous other players. Yeah, that have... well, I, I would say you evaluate it on the average of what you would expect. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. Because yeah, you exactly. can't do it. You can't no, no, do you it. The like, best player who was around. Pick, whoever right, was right, right. Yeah, yeah. But like there were good players on the board. And that, that was a draft that we that we generally liked some of the late first round guys. I mean, if, if they had taken just somebody with a lower, arguably a lower lower ceiling than OG like Josh Hart who's having a wonderful time like I mean a lot of teams made mistakes there so I'm not saying oh they're stupid because they passed on this but when you're evaluating trades sometimes it gets like oh well they took player x at this spot and this team took player y at this spot and that is an important factor in the trades but it's more about the abstract value of the picks themselves yeah and for Patton I mean we this is one actually where we said hey just pick it up I mean you know he's got a pretty low salary I wonder if this is number 16 pick I'm trying to think if there was a higher pick than that who had his third year option declined i can't think of one off the top of my head so i mean that's like like to me that it's got to just mean that like his they're really worried about his foot um and it could be one of those ones too where we were like like we were saying yesterday where with tony bradley and caleb swanigan i guess that was two days ago that he's not going to play it all this year anyway so it's like it's not like he's going to get any other offers and if they want to bring him back for what he would have made they can probably just do that uh, although maybe he'll just be so annoyed with the organization he just wants to leave but yeah i mean that's uh that's really too bad to see a guy's career just be totally wrecked like this uh to have that option decline without even ever getting on the floor essentially uh is pretty rough it's certainly and you would think hey with jang potentially going to get traded taj gibson a free agent they might have some use for him if they felt like he could play so they must really feel like he's just he's not going to get out there uh, on the floor and uh i think that's about all we've got uh, on the wolves uh, which is good because we just went like a half hour on them let's turn to the new orleans pelicans sitting at four and two they won their first four with anthony davis in the lineup although the last one was a struggle over brooklyn in a wild game i don't think we should talk about that because it just was too long ago now it was last friday but then they've lost two straight relatively handily one to utah at home where they just got worked rudy gobert dunked all over them then they played a little bit better on the road against the nuggets monday as we record this we don't know whether anthony davis is going to play tonight against the warriors we're recording this during the day because we're going to that game uh they have a 5.2 net rating 11th in the nba offensive rating is third 117 defensive rating is 112 that's 19th so uh, again they've really hemorrhaged points these last couple of games with ad on the floor which i think is kind of more interesting at this point they have a 20.8 net rating and the defense is 104 with him on the floor and 117 with him off the floor and uh they are negative 13.3 overall with him on the bench so uh yeah he turns out he's pretty important and that's also with a mix of him playing center and power forward. I mean, we've not been surprised by how well he's played defensive. Like the playing him more defensively at center has. Well, so are you cons- are you calling him the power forward when he plays with Randall? Yes, it, uh, it, I would it's say hard, I think defensively he's. I think he's more still the center. Yeah, um, I guess it's it's a little bit matchup dependent from when I've watched them. Just you know, whoever whatever the other team is putting out there. Like if Randall can handle the four, I think they'd rather have him there. But sometimes you know, Randall, he if it's somebody who has a little bit more on their on their shot, I don't know. 
I, I don't have a feel for it yet. Something I want to track this whole year are the big men pairings, the, basically the three guys for New Orleans right now. And Davis and Miritich have played 321 possessions together. They have an insane plus 33 net rating in those minutes. Uh, that's a 135 offensive rating, 102 defensive rating, which is just ridiculous. Davis and Randall together, slightly sm- less smaller sample, 227 possessions, plus 73 net rating. Still very good, just not hilarious. 118 offensive rating, 111 defensive rating. So there's a pretty uh, a step down in both directions, which I think even if the top one regresses to the mean, I think it's probably going to end up being around, you know, they'll still have those general dynamics. And then, as you said, with Davis off the court, the Randall-Miritich combination, 326 possessions, so it's slightly more than Davis and Miritich because of his absence. Negative 15 net rating, 106 offensive rating, 121 defensive rating. And interestingly, something we had speculated about before the season, they have played zero minutes with the three of them all playing together. Yeah, that's not a surprise because I think they want to just go with the three-man stagger at the big position. So there aren't really any extra minutes among the three to put Miritich at the three. And also, he just hasn't been very good in that role in his career. And they, they haven't gone up against a lot of teams who have like that big guy at the three. And that guy's probably too quick uh, for Miritich anyway. I wanted to get back to AD, who'd been crushing it in the early going. We've seen him just work off the dribble more now. Uh, you know, I mean, going back to his story when it's like, oh, he used to be a point guard and then he grew. Uh, but we never really saw him work that much off the dribble. Now we're seeing him do more grab and goes. We're seeing him get up top, take threes even off the dribble uh, when guys back off of him. We're seeing him just, you know, straight line drives to his right hand, blowing past slower defenders at center. Uh, you know, that's all facilitated, of course, because he is playing center against some of these slower guys. We're seeing him with more strength getting in the post when you try to guard him with someone quicker that's been really impressive he still never turns it over uh and he's blocking a lot more shots again he's only played four games so we can't draw too much into this another thing that's been huge though assisting on 19 percent of new orleans buckets when he's on the floor and that is nine percent higher than at any point in his career he's been right at 10 in that metric uh for the last four years and so i think that's been important he also is hitting the offensive glass more you know we we've seen a steady decline in his offensive rebounding since alvin gentry took over uh now again since i think he's playing more center he's been talking about how he's running the floor harder as well so i think he's actually his usage is down a little bit but he's been doing more other things on the floor including obviously being fantastic defensively and uh you know i think that's a good formula for this team especially with miritich playing the way he has randall is another guy uh who can score off the bench now for them which they hadn't really had before uh alfred payton's a little bit more of a scorer than rondo was so they've got more scoring in the lineup probably than they have in a long time and so he can still score plenty he has been but he's able to do more little things at least in the early going and uh hopefully that will continue when he's able to return to the lineup from that elbow injury uh but you know them being four doing they're absolutely dominating when he was in the lineup and this is just a good reminder of like oh wow 46 wins like that seems a low under over under for the pelicans right well yeah you know what if uh, all of these are a little bit lower than they would be if you just assume the team is healthy for every game but you know in games when ad doesn't play it's going to be pretty rough for them i want to go back to the offensive rebounding point for a second so last season yes. new orleans was 20 
29th. They were 29, 29, 24 over the previous three seasons in offensive rebound percentage. They are currently eighth this year. And I've called it the double before in, in regards to Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City is the best team in the league over the last couple of years at going for offensive offensive boards and getting back. Well, last year, New Orleans had the 20th proportion, like the, 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 it was 79.7% of opponent plays were in the half court. It's 81.1 now. So they've actually, they're actually getting back in transition more often now and getting to the offensive glass. Some of that is by playing more athletic lineups. When you're not playing slow centers as much of a portion of time, you can get back. And also that can be a concerted effort from the guys that you have on the team. So it is true that going for the offensive glass, especially with multiple people, that's something that I'm really appreciating this year is the kind of the odd man rush equivalent. That is a big thing. But if it's really like one guy, then you can get away with that, especially if that player works really hard to get back. So we're going to save a few of these observations for tomorrow since we're actually going to see them live tonight with or without AD. We can move on here to the Oklahoma City Thunder right after this from Simple Contacts. I've always been lucky. I've never needed contacts. It always seemed like an utterly miserable process, though. And especially like going to the doctor, renewing your prescription, just like having to do all this extra stuff. It seems so miserable in addition to having to like put this thing in your eye every day. Simple contacts can't help you that much with that last part. But they do let you renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes. They have a self-guided vision test. My wife tried it. I I was like, hey, you know, do you want to try out this contact service? And she's like, oh, I have to like do this five minute test. And I'm like, yeah, it's only five minutes. You just renew your prescription. She thought it was just like just to even get the contacts i'm like no like you're actually renewing your prescription and you can just skip the office visit a licensed doctor reviews every test so you skip that visit but you don't skip the care that you actually get from a doctor and they have all the same brands and types of lenses you're familiar with so you don't have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price they save you money this vision test is only 20 bucks way easier than going to the doctor and their lens prices are un- unbeatable standard shipping is free so when you get started with them and get $20 off your contacts, go to simplecontacts.com slash dunk20, D-U-N-C-20, different code this time. So please remember that dunk20, D-U-N-C-20 is both the URL or you can just enter the code dunk20 at checkout. That'll get you $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash dunk20 or enter code dunk20 and let them know with that dunk20, D-U-N-C-20 code that you came from us. What are the fundamentals on the Oklahoma City Thunder? The Thunder are 2-4. and four. Their negative 2.6 net rating puts them 18th in the NBA, 26th in offense, 6th in defense, and 50 projected wins, which will put them 5th in the Western Conference. And, I mean, we, we talked, alluded to it a little bit. It wasn't either of our primary games, partially because it wasn't close for very long it was the Clippers whooping on the on the Thunder and then the Thunder just completely taking over in that crazy third quarter but they you know they ended up totally controlling that getting their second win after an 0-4 start and something that I thought was was a, a really positive sign not in that game but in the game before that New Orleans Noel who took the minimum for two years with the second year player option in Oklahoma City which was a kind of a bold decision because Steven Adams misses so little time that it didn't seem like Noel was going to get much of a chance to shine Adams had calf tightness couldn't play against phoenix new put up 20 and 15 in 26 minutes yeah that was really impressive he's looked pretty good out there he makes some dumb plays every once in a while but you know offensively he's been pretty useful for them and you know he's really the only traditional backup center on the roster uh still so you know he does have a, a decent path to playing time 
Uh, I wanted to talk about Dennis Schroeder, who's been a big part of the culprit in their early season struggles, which we'll talk about this at a later time. I think that they're going to be fine, at least in terms of like, you know, getting to the area we predicted them kind of in the mid 40s. I mean, I don't see them being a dominant team necessarily, but the sixth in defense is encouraging and they're currently shooting 27% from three. So I know they don't have a bunch of great shooters, but uh, th- that's going to get better. Um, Schroeder, however, has been a complete disaster overall in the early going. Give you his overall stat line and you'll recall of course that he's making about 15 million over the next three seasons including this one and that they traded away carmelo whom they could have stretched out for nine million each the next three seasons but then they also gave up that 2022 first rounder which does have some protections on it uh but that was a lot to give up to get schroeder pay him even more than they would have had to pay the stretched anthony and you know if, and we maintain that schroeder was not a good contract and he certainly has not lived up to that 15 million a year uh, in the early going uh, again his overall stat line 43 percent true shooting remember again that the league average is around 55 percent these days 25 percent usage remember he did play two games uh, without westbrook he still is getting a fair number of assists but the big culprit is out of the pick and roll he's 10 out of 37 shooting and he's taking 45 percent of his possessions there uh you've noted that they have not played raymond felton at all since russell westbrook missed the first two games and i think that me this just seems like too much of a load for shooter that maybe playing he and felton together especially against some teams that are a little smaller might just give a little more creation when westbrook is out of the game it might just be too much for shooter at this point well, uh, and it's also is, just that yeah. they don't have a lot of shot creation outside of point guards like there are other teams sure. where you can you can give the ball to like jabari parker or you can give the ball to somebody else for a few possessions okc doesn't really have many of those those guys it's one of the downsides of drafting these project wings for all these years is those guys generally don't have ball skills because if they had ball skills they wouldn't be projects yeah and getting back to his pick and roll he's only gotten to the rim eight times out of 43 overall possessions some of those are turnovers as well uh and he scored only two points on those eight possessions that he's got to the basket that to me says some more about the spacing that he's working with uh than it does uh, about him I mean, he's never been a great finisher and he's also very dependent on just having a seem he doesn't have a ton of touch around the room he'll kind of go for like the quick scoop shots but he's not gonna like throw his body into guys create separation there just boom straight line to the rim as fast as i can and uh, the rest of his shooting at the rim where he's six of 18 in total a lot of that has just been kind of opportunity attacks where just either a, he comes down in semi-transition he's got a chance to just uh, attack his guy before the screen gets there uh either with a quick crossover or just a straight line and he's not really beating his guy that cleanly on those plays and that's why he hasn't been able to finish those even though he can get there especially if he's being guarded by a larger player uh the mid-ranger for Schroeder has also been way off. He's uh, 11 of 30, but more troubling just for, and he actually shot it very well on mid-rangers last year. He's 45% in Atlanta, which was a big uptick from where he'd been. But he hasn't made a three off the dribble yet in the half court. So that's another problem where, you know, one of the big criticisms was you can always go under on him and certainly has not made teams pay for that strategy. And, and the, if you think the spacing is bad due to the rest of their threats, now if you can go under on him as well, he really has nowhere to go. Uh, uh, so it's been a big problem for him uh you know he's never been a great uh, defensive player he's a negative 11 uh, net rating i think he's going to get better offensively later in the year uh but if you think about it when he's on especially on some of these backup units with okc uh he's had more offensive talent around him in atlanta at least in terms of spacing the floor uh so you know i don't think he can be necessarily as effective as a backup in okc as he was as a starter in atlanta and 
you know i don't think the units with him as that fifth guy closing games with westbrook you know that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense at this point in time agreed and that creates the second problem which you talked about if you can go under go under those screens without fear of getting worked on shots but also if you don't feel that you have to close out on him as aggressively or can stray off him a little bit more then he provides a lot less value playing with west russell westbrook because it constricts the spacing they're already playing a center who is a wonderful player i love Stephen adams but he can't shoot and jeremy grant is looking a lot more comfortable but he's not all the way there yet so they become a much easier team to defend for me especially because Schroeder is not so good with the ball in his hands that you would rather give him the ball instead of Westbrook or Paul George he's he's not really adding much and also he's a bad defender so there is a chance that it'll work better I mean last year his catch and shoot there was a big difference between those and pull-ups and if he could get back to that and it's we're obviously way too early in the season to have any definitive pronunciation there but that gets into something that I think is a bigger topic to discuss with Oklahoma City which is just the the weird options they have for the fifth starter so or for the fifth for the fifth spot because it can be closing games can be starting it doesn't you know the, both those things matter a lot so Russ Paul George it pretty much looks like Jer- Jeremy Grant is taken over from Patrick Patterson which is justifiable considering Patterson hasn't been great so far this year and was, yeah. was awful last year so you have that and then Stephen Adams is of course locked in so this is probably to me I'm going to give the full list and then we'll pare it down obviously so we just talked about Schroeder, Ferguson, Abrinas, Hamdou Diallo, Robertson when he comes back, Abdel Nader, Deontay Burton, but he's on a two-way, so they probably have to bring him up if they ever wanted to seriously consider that. And TLC, maybe? I mean, I think that's... Yeah, they did decline his option, by the way. It's looking like, at least, they did not announce that they had uh, picked it up, so that generally means it's declined yeah. as of this uh, this podcast. It won't it won't get a press release. But so, when you, when you go through that list, I mean, certainly a few of those players, are, you know, a fair number of them, have a meaningful strength that that is was we're talking about but then they also have weaknesses and it is really hard over the course of a season unless you can get somebody via buyout to get somebody that's going to be inserted right into that into that lineup so really what they have the goal of this season for them is to figure out who the best of those five options is even if the best option isn't a great option yeah i mean just the stats on some of these guys are, are just really rough uh and even grant you know he's been taking more threes up to 39 percent of his shots but hitting only 21 percent still doesn't look remotely comfortable above the break terrence ferguson you know i mean the number of minutes that he's playing and the guys that he's playing around i mean the fact that he can't even like get any three pointers up is worrisome he's 3.6 three point attempts per 36 minutes and you know he's shooting uh eight percent from downtown right now uh even Alex Abrinas can't hit anything. Patrick Patterson's the only guy who's shooting 38% from downtown. Diallo isn't a three-point shooter. He's at 1.6 three-point attempts per 36 minutes. So certainly all of our fears about this team offensively, I still don't think they're going to be quite this bad still because Russ and PG are just that good, and so is Adams. Uh, and Schroeder is going to come around to some degree to play at, I think, something approaching his established level. But, I mean, you certainly look at this team and all the players who come here it seems like except maybe paul george you know end up playing at, at a worse level and and it's, you kind of wonder why that is whether it's system whether it's playing with ross and just having to spot up or you know what it is uh or maybe just those guys hitting a point in their career where they aren't any good anymore uh that last guy is a major problem but you know their defense is still really good i mean that's the one thing that they can take uh some solace in here you mentioned terrence ferguson's shooting from three and he's one of 13 overall his usage rate right now he's played 130 minutes so he's played a meaningful portion of the season his usage rate is nine it's nine percent like that's astonishingly low keep in mind that that's half of what it would be if you for a single player if you split it all equally 
And you can, you know, you could kind of make that work if it was a player that you had to actively defend. And the team has done very well in his minutes. I think a lot of that is by virtue of playing with the other four really good, the other four good players on this team. But I mean, we'll have to see whether I mean, he's getting the chance now, whether I like Diallo, I think he could be, be interesting in that role, but it'll be something we watch all year. Let's move to the Kings now. We talked about them quite a bit on last night's program with their win over Orlando of won four straight. They are five and three now, but still in the negative in terms of point differential, negative 2.2 net rating. They sport the 20th ranked offense and 16th ranked defense, still projected at only 28 wins. Uh, by 538 which would place them 13th in the conference i think where we should probably start though danny is just what a difference that nemanja bielica has made so far for them he's been huge he's starting and playing 27 minutes per game and the biggest way that he's helping team also more capable with the ball in his hands than the guys they're playing at the four last year but he's taking four threes a game and i mean right now he's making 55 percent of them he's not gonna make 55 percent of them for the whole year and he had a big six of ten in their win over washington and surprise surprise having some Somebody who shoots at power forward and who you have to actively defend all the way out to the arc makes life a lot easier on all of their other players, including De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, and Fox, uh, he had a rough game last night, uh, in part due to being limited with a, a back injury. We'll see where he settles out in terms of his stats, but uh, on court, he has certainly uh, been excellent for them. Going into last night, in particular, they had been awful without him on the floor and, and great with him. That, that changed a little bit after he was minus 10 last night, but he had one of the worst RPMs in the league last year, You know, right down there with Dennis Smith, uh, as many rookie point guards are, but you know, he'd probably be close to the top with how bad they've been with him off the floor. Uh, but he has been awesome in terms of pushing the pace. Their pace is not quite as good as it looks superficially because you know a lot of that is their defensive pace uh, as well. Teams shooting very quickly against them, in addition to them pushing it down their throats. But you know Fox has been the big engine of that, uh, and he really is just has breathtaking athleticism in transition. Uh, wanted to go back a little bit more to how Bielitsa is succeeding. Seven of twelve on spot up threes uh, so far. I mean that's, uh, and then also getting out it in transition where he's gotten some three pointers as well and he's got some versatility to his game as well like he's a an effective cutter he can post up a little bit against smaller guys he can come off screens uh even run a pick and roll on occasion although you know as long as he has a guy his size on him he's going to struggle like he tried to go at jonathan isaac a couple times last night that didn't go too well for him uh and defensively he's not great but they've managed still uh, to defend well enough with him out there i mean i think actually you know they have the 20th ranked offense that's better than i expected them to be i think a lot of that is just accounted for by the fact that you know bielitsa is out there and actually spacing the floor which you know the party line when he got there was that he was going to play the three uh but the defense is probably more surprising to me that they're uh, at 16th right now. So uh, Jaeger deserves some credit for getting them to defend. They have played OKC and Orlando who are and Memphis, who are three of the worst offenses in the NBA it, at, it, at this point. And there's a little bit of fluke. There more than a little bit of flukiness in there. They've forced the fourth fewest mid-range shots, and teams are shooting 28% on corner threes against them. Which and they're giving up a bunch of them. So if you expect that to, yeah, actually they're only 20th and frequent there it seemed like but they're but they're giving up a lot of threes so it's it's interesting i mean i i think that they they're definitely better than i thought unambiguously i could say that right now they're, and part of that is by playing playing bielitsa more regularly their offenses looked a lot better and 
maybe if they settle in, it's something better than I expected, but still, you know, outside of the playoff picture, then that's still a, a real a nice year for them, depending on who shows out. Field has a nice year. Fox is looking better than, than you're getting there. So, I mean, it, it's always about setting expectations and, and defining, being honest about what is a success for a given team. But they've looked really good so far. They're playing hard. And Jaeger, I mean, I said he'd be the first coach fired right now. I mean, things can turn, but the team is playing well for him. Yeah, well, uh, when another coach gets fired six games in, uh, it makes it hard for that prediction <laughs> to come true. A um, few other notes here uh, on how they're doing it. 39.5% from downtown. Uh, they also shot up pretty well from downtown quietly last year, uh, but just don't get up enough attempts. And that is the case again this year, 27th in three-point attempt rate. Uh, and, and you would expect that 39.5% would decline a, a little bit uh also they are taking a ton of shots from floater zone uh you know a lot of those are kind of collie stein post-ups harry giles post-ups bagley post-ups uh fox floaters going to the rim and they're making 46 percent of those that again you know league average there is 40 that's probably going to decline as well so they actually are making shots a little bit better than you'd expect so if you had to if i had to guess here you know i think that 20th in offense is going to decline a little bit uh the 16th in defense you know i really just don't know what to make of that especially if they fall out of it and they start you know going back to playing jazz they dust off scal uh you know maybe Amon shumpert who has been okay in the early going and then he's had to miss a couple of games with you know soreness and maintenance so you know that that may not continue uh you know so maybe they move some of those guys or buy them out and i could see them kind of falling apart towards the end of the year as maybe you know it's clear that they're out of it they stop trying as hard defensively so you know i think 28 wins seems I would still probably take the under on that, you know, even if they are five and three right now. But, you know, I don't feel strongly about it. I picked them to be the worst team in basketball at 23 wins. So that that's not looking correct so far. And just simply the fact that they've already banked five wins, uh, you know, is going to likely make that prediction wrong. Um, yeah. And they have one more friendly game against Atlanta. So the Trey Young versus De'Aaron Fox on Thursday. But then Milwaukee, Toronto, Minnesota, Lakers, Spurs. And then that it, it, it just basically they have tough games or games that will have some sort of challenge through the end of the month. So we'll see where they are. I mean, I th- they are better than I thought they were, but we'll see how much better in the next three weeks. Yeah. Also, real quickly, Harry Giles, we can, it sounds like with Kufos back, we can kind of close the book on what he did in the early going. Played 70 minutes, negative 2.7 PER, negative 41.6 net rating. So uh, yeah, it's looking like early on the hype about Giles was uh, maybe a little out of control. Uh, but, I, you know, I think that uh, if there's one reason to expect them to play a little bit better than they have, you know, it's that Giles won't be in the rotation for the foreseeable future. Um, we'll see if if Kufos, he's another guy in the last year of his contract who could get bought out or moved down the end. Uh, you know, and if they're going back to him and Scal and Bagley, you know, that's going to change things around quite a bit in terms of uh, where they're at by the end of the season. Um, but still a nice story early in the season. And, you know, I think we've, uh, we've been respectful of that that uh even if you know i don't think this changes their destiny and the, the biggest things to me that you can take away early on of feeling better about their future is just that fox looks really good i mean that's that's probably what i think is the most sustainable about anything that we've seen so far and we'll see collie stein you know he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year he's a nice player but you could see them very easily overpaying him and then he doesn't become as nice of a player one other thing we should mention in terms of where things are going from here is that they've been doing this well offensively without bogdan bogdanovich who i thought was oh yeah that that's actually a great point i i had almost forgotten about him he 
is a really important part of what they are going to do offensively. Yeah, and and will also help, even though I see him more as a two than a three, he will really help fill that gap that they still have at the position. Just Jackson's had a few moments, but I still think they need better options, and Bogdanovich is one of those better options. All right, I think that'll wrap it up uh, for today. I hope you guys got your Wolves, Thunder, Pels, and and Kings fixes here. Uh, We'll be back to close out the week tomorrow. Uh, We are starting a new venture tomorrow i I will actually announce that on twitter later but we're gonna have uh try and get set up tech wise for some new platforms for our live nba show which we are rebranding as nba cast so that'll be the new hashtag there and looking forward to get started on that for buck celtics on uh, thursday night and so we'll talk about those games and uh maybe do a little mini mailbag or so talk a little pals as well because we're going to see them tonight uh, in person tomorrow but check out uh the nba cast you can still follow me on twitter at nate duncan nba and uh that'll give you all the info you need certainly that link will be tweeted out a number of times during that buck celtics game so we will talk to y'all tomorrow night till then at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.